in the month of May, we've been in a series called Boys to Men, The Journey of Spiritual Maturity. And we're looking at this idea, what does it mean to mature? What does it mean to grow up? And what does it mean to spiritually grow up? And we've, we've looked at three statements so far. Number one, life is hard, learning to embrace suffering. Number two, you are not important, learning to embrace each other. Number three, last week, my wife, your life is not about you, learning to accept perspective. And today we look at this statement, and it's you are not in control, learning to surrender. Now, this shouldn't come as much of a surprise to us that we are not in control as much as we think we are. Let's think about, let's go back to thinking about kids. You know, when kids, when they make decisions, they don't really think about what the decision, the effect that this decision has on other people, right? They just think, what do I want? What do I need? What do I, you know, desire? And they make decisions. And, and, and they, they, they don't really know that, you know, these decisions affect other people. And, and what happens is when things don't go their way, right, they lose it. My three-year-old son, just before the service, I had to go up and he's crying. He's crying as if like the, someone stole the son or something. And I go, what's wrong? Why are you crying? And literally, this is what he said. He says, I don't want to do what the teachers told me to do. I don't want to do it. I want to be in control. I want to do the things that I want to do. And so when the teacher said, no, you can't do that because we're in garden now. We're in kids' ministry now. You need to you know, abide by what we're going to do. He lost it. Until I got up there, and then I took care of him. And he's good now. But as we get older, we realize that the world is a bigger place. It's bigger than just what we want. It's bigger than what we desire. And this illusion of control disappears. Why? Because we realize we actually don't have much control in our lives. But the funny thing is, some of us just haven't learned to accept this yet. We haven't learned this yet. We like to be in control. When people don't do what you do at work, you get upset. When the car you want to buy has a year-long wait on it, we get upset. When we didn't win the $80 million Powerball, we get upset. Why? Because that's not a part of our plans. That's not in my control anymore. Out of the five statements that we're looking at, this is probably the hardest one for me personally. Why? For people that know me, I'm a control freak. I can admit it. I like to be in control. Um, I like to plan. I like to make lists. I like to tick. And at the end of the day, if I've got all things ticked, that was a great day for me. To the point where it can actually become a little bit uh, psychotic, I think, sometimes. I can admit that. I'll give you an example. Holidays. <sighs> My wife is nodding because she knows the story I'm going to tell. 
Uh, my family, we, we like to travel. Oh, that's a lie. My family likes to travel. <laughs> I'm okay now. I, I, you know, I'm okay now. You know, I, I'm okay. Um, but when we go on holidays, I like to plan. Why? Because you want to be efficient with your time. You know, if you're going to go overseas, you want to make sure that you're going to tick all the boxes and whatnot. So, so once we were in Korea, and this was the plan. Monday, go to the zoo. Tuesday, go shopping center. And I was really excited because I wanted to go to the zoo. I love going to the zoo. All right? And then Tuesday, go to the shopping center. Great. And then on Sunday, it starts raining. It starts raining. And so my wife tells me, hey, instead of going to the zoo on Monday, let's go to the indoor shopping center because it's raining, and then on Tuesday, let's go to the zoo, because it's not raining. Now, that seems very logical. It seems like the right move. It seems like a good suggestion, but not for control freak Steve. Why? You can't just go and change plans. We said Monday zoo. Rain, hail, or shine, thunderbolt, whatever it is. I want to go to the zoo on Monday. So what happened? Did we end up going to the zoo on Monday? No. Did we go to the shopping center? Yes. Was Steve sulky the whole day? Yes. Was Mel mad? Yes. Is Mel ever going to take Steve on holiday again? No. The end. Man, we fought so much that, that day. Oh. We are obsessed with being in control. We are obsessed with being in control. And yet the reality of our lives is that it is so far from that. The idea of being in control is a facade. It's make-believe. It doesn't exist. And if you still think that you are in control of your life or you have ultimate control in your life, you need to grow up and smell the roses because it's not like that. Can you determine the weather for tomorrow? Can you guarantee your life next year? The last few years have taught us, because of COVID and because of other world events, it has shown us that we do not have ultimate control in our lives. But like children, we dream. We think we do. We want it, of course. But we need to grow up. Because to continue to think like that is immature. It's childish. The passage we're going to read today is from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 to 11. And I want you to, I want you to just hear this, right? Understand what the author is saying. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 11. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal. A time to tear down 
and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. It's a really amazing passage. There is a time for everything. There is a season for every activity under the heavens. I love the fact that Scripture, that that the Bible acknowledges that there is a time for life, that everything in our life, everything in our life, the good and the bad, there's actually a time for it. There's actually a season for it. You know, I love the, the fact that the Bible doesn't say it's just all the good stuff and all the bad stuff you've got to get rid of. No, every season has its time. But the question that I want to ask is this, who controls those times? Who controls those seasons? Verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Who makes things beautiful? It's not you. It's God. Who's in control? It's not you. It's God. We can't even fathom, we can't even try to understand what God has been doing in this world. And this is what Scripture tells us. Job chapter 38, 4 to 7. This is God speaking to Job. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? God's having this conversation with this human called Job. And Job was complaining to God, God, rah, 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 God, why are you doing this to me? God, why are you doing this to me? And and God's like, yo, Job, where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Where were you when I created, when I put the foundations of this planet? Tell me if you understand. And God puts Job in his place. And this is the reality, the scriptural reality that we need to learn to accept is that we are not in control. It is spiritually immature for us to continue to think that, think like this, especially when God himself is in the picture. Not when God, the creator of heaven and earth, is sitting on his throne leading and guiding our lives and we're like, God, you know, I'm in control. I'm going to do this. I don't want to do that. These are my plans. When we accept the fact that we are not in control of our lives, and that's a big step, 
That's a big step. That's a really important step. But it's something that every single one of us will have to overcome as we, as we grow up. For those that know in, in our church, um, one of the big times that this um, change for me was uh, about, what, four years ago? My daughter, Annabelle, third, third kid, middle, it's bad when the third kid's the middle kid. Hey, it's like middle, give me, whoa. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I always, as I said, I'm a control freak, right? I like to plan. And my plan was let's have three kids, right? Actually, my plan was let's have four kids. And then when we had Annabelle, I was like, okay, honey, oh, four. We got three, let's go for four. And Mel was like, no. And I was like, I'm so loving to my wife. I'm going to let her make that decision. So we were done. We were done at three, you know. And then five and a half years went by. My youngest, Anna, she went to, she went to kindy. You know what that means? That's five days, no kids. You know, that's the, that's the promised land of parenting, you know. <laughs> like, childcare, you got to pay for it. Primary school, you just thank you, state government, you know. And so Anna had just started going to kindy, and, and Mel was like, what, I sh- what should I do with my life? You know, I just spent like the last 10 years raising kids. I said, well, honey, you, you know, you deserve a break. Take six months off, and then let's work out what, what's going on. And then, she, and then she got pregnant. You know, like, I joke about this, and, and, and the reason why I tell this story is I realize there's a lot of people that haven't heard this story before, and it's a funny story now. It wasn't funny back then. That was the, one of the deepest experiences in my life where I realized that I am not in control, right? That was, that, and I tell you, like, that was harder. That was harder than when she then got pregnant again, because by then, I had already accepted the fact that I was not in control. And it's like, these pharmaceutical companies need to do better work on these drugs because they're definitely not working, you know? Man, and, and I, I just remember my friend. I was sitting with my friend. He's a good friend of mine. And I was telling him, man, I don't know what's going on with my life. You know, my kids just went to school. Man, I had all these plans. And my friend just started laughing at me. And he started mocking me. He goes, oh God, Steve had all these plans. Steve had all these amazing plans for you. Lord, why are you ruining his plans? And I was like, are you mocking me? And I nearly punched him in the face, right? And I think if I did, we would would have just punched on, I reckon, right? Because I was emotional. But you know what? He really drove it home. I was complaining about my plans in front of Almighty God. My little plans for my little life. And I'm doing, I'm complaining to the God who created the universe. How foolish, how immature, how childish. See, friends, when we can accept the fact that we are not in control, that leads us to a life of surrender. The word surrender means to give something that is yours to someone else 
because it is necessary to do so. In war, the idea of surrender, what are you giving up? You're giving up your freedom. I, I am surrendering my right to fight and, and fight for my freedom to you, the enemy, because probably you're going to destroy me. That's what surrender is. It's taking something that is yours and giving it to someone else because it is necessary to do so. Why is surrender so important? Because it's the choice we make. We go, God, the little control that I have in my life, I'm going to surrender it to you, God, because it's necessary because I actually don't have control in my life. But you do. You do. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of my life verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Submit to him. Surrender to him. Let him make your path straight. And here's the beauty of our God. He will. Because he's a faithful God. You can trust him. Because he's trustworthy. So how do we grow up and live this life of surrender? There's three things that I want to share with you today. Number one, you need to deny yourself. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. You need to let go. You, need, you, you have plans that you need to let go of. You have desires you need to let go of. You need to let go of the control for the sake of what God wants for you. You cannot live a life of surrender if you are going to continue to try to control your life. You can't do this. Here you go, God, no. Here you go, God, no. Here you go, God, no. That's not giving. That's not surrender. That's just confusion. Two people can't be driving the car. You need to let go. And Jesus says it himself to God when he's praying. He says, not my will, but yours. Denying yourself, that's what you're saying. Not my will, not my plans, but yours. I'm going to let go. I'm going to let go of control of my own life. And I'm going to submit to you. And I'm going to ask you to lead and guide me. Why? Because you're better. You know what's going on. Not what I want, but I want what you want. That means to deny yourself. We need to let go. Number two, we need to ask. If you truly let go of control, to live a surrendered life means to ask God what he wants. So many times we say, God, we surrender our life to you, but can you do this, and can you do this, and can you do this, and I want you to do this, and I want to live this kind of life, and I want this. God's not a genie. He ain't your servant or slave. That's not surrender. That's conditional lists. That's not surrender. You know, so many times we go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let go, but then we don't let go. And we're just telling God what to do. Or sometimes we go, God, I'm going to surrender. I want, I, I want you to control my life. But I don't know what to do now. I don't know what to do. And it's because we don't ask God. God, here's the steering wheel of my car. Where are we going? You can drive, but where are we going, God? 
We don't know because we don't ask. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious. Oh, man. This is such an important verse for some of us this morning. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, which transcends all understanding, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. By prayer and petition, you can ask. You should ask. Matthew 7, 7 to 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be open. Friends, living a life of surrender doesn't mean that we don't get to, uh, we, we don't get anything or we don't get to do anything. The idea of surrendering is that you don't get to call the shots. You don't get to make the decisions, but God does and the decisions that God makes are the best for you. But when we do that, when we trust that God is leading and guiding us, we trust Him to give the best for us and our lives. And it is the best. It is the best. So how do we live a life surrender? We need to deny ourselves. We need to ask. And finally, we need not be afraid. When we give up control, we can feel so naked, so vulnerable. But God tells us over and over again, don't be afraid. Even when we go into the unknown, even when we're moving into space that seems scary, God says, trust me and don't be afraid. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Deuteronomy 31.8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. When we live a life of surrender, we do not have to live a life of fear of the future, fear of the unknown, because we can live boldly knowing that God is in control. When God's driving the car of your life, you can sit back and relax because you know that God is not taking you to some dodgy alleyway, but wherever God takes you is the exact place that you are meant to be. He will never leave you or forsake you. This is important for us because I think especially for us here at camp, we're going to go home. Like, a lot happened during camp. A lot happened. And, you know, like, I'm hearing stories that they're starting to filter through. We're going to share some of these stories um, in the future. But one of the hard things about going on a mountaintop experience with God at camp is that after a few days, when you get back to reality, things go back to reality. And you're like, I didn't change. I don't know where I'm going to go from here. I made some decisions. I made some commitments, but I, I don't know what that looks like in the future. And I think sometimes we, we, we can become very scared of that, of the unknown. But I think as we finish up this weekend, God is reminding us that, hey, there was a promise that he made to us even before we got here, and it was, wherever you go, I will be there. 
at this camp, when we leave, wherever you go, wherever you go back into your workplace, whether you go back into your families, whether you go back into some tough situations, God will be there because God promised that to us. Friends, we are not in control. But that's okay because God is. Abide in Him. Remain in Him. Be connected to Him and He will give you life. He will give you joy. He will give you purpose. This morning, I pray that you would accept the idea that you are not in control. And that if you still are holding on to something, that you could surrender that. You could surrender that to God. And make this your prayer. Not my will, but yours. Not my plan, but yours. Let's pray.